Well, I want to say welcome again. We're so glad to be here with you in worship again. This is the third week of Lent, the Lenten season. We're about halfway through the season of Lent, which is a journey that Christians around the globe are on right now as we make our way towards Easter and just preparing for the death and the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus, the one who we discover new life in. And uh, this next week, I'd ask for some prayer for myself and for Pastor Angela and actually Phil. We're all traveling together to California. You know, everybody's scared of California, right? Crazy things happen. Now, actually, my in-laws are visiting from California this morning. So excited to have them here. And uh, so I, I need to say good things. I said one bad thing about California. Now I need to make it up with like a couple good things. I'll, I'll work on those, okay? It's sunny. That's one. And you live there. That's two. I'm on a roll, right? Come on. So we're traveling to California to get some training specifically for some discipleship. Uh, we're trying to kind of start a new discipleship pathway inside Cascade, inside our church. And I realize that that might sound to you like a dentist saying, I'm learning a new way to give root canals, right? And you're like, I, don't sign me up for that, right? But as followers of Christ, the thing that we're called to do is to imitate Jesus and to become like him. And so we're heading on down to find out uh, to get trained specifically in a new style of, of doing discipleship and just um, inviting people to follow and to learn from Jesus and to hear God's voice, to do what he says, to learn to live into the rhythms relationally and in our lives that he, uh, how he taught us to live. We're in the middle of a series today called Jesus, Jesus Says, and each week we're going to highlight one of the statements that Jesus made about himself. There's many of them, seven overall, and it's kind of like hearing about Jesus from Jesus. And all throughout history, Jesus has been a controversial figure, especially like who he is and his identity and who he says he was and who people think he is. And so this is a chance for us to hear from Jesus on Jesus himself. And he makes a number of these really revealing statements about himself. This week, we're going to look at the one when, he, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Well, I also want to make you aware of uh, a prayer practice that we're doing during the season of Lent. Uh, there's these little cards back on that table over by that bulletin board there in the back door. Please pick one of those up and take with you. Each week there's a kind of different prayer focus or a different devotional focus. This, this week it's about Jesus is the good shepherd. And the prayer practice, there's no one-size-fits-all method of prayer, and so there's lots of ways to pray. And this one is breath prayers. I like this because they're short. Amen? Breath prayers. You say it in the span of a breath. And so this is, this is really useful. Um, man, if you're, you're commuting in your car and you're, you're, or you're waiting in line somewhere or you're waiting for a class to start or a meeting to start, breath prayers are, are, are you breathe in and you say something or think something, pray something, and you breathe out. It's really great for kind of establishing a rhythm or relaxing if you're stressed. And this week's breath prayer is simply, Jesus, my good shepherd, I belong to you. Jesus, my good shepherd, I belong to you. Uh, really simple, really practical way to just connect with the Lord in your life. Well, the Bible was written in a, a far-off time and place. Sometimes it's hard for us living today to connect with some of its themes, with some of its images, especially with some of its figurative language and metaphors. Um, one of those happens to be about herding sheep and shepherding. 
Jesus says, yeah, I'm the good shepherd. So, you know, not many of us have like real life connections with sheep. At least I don't think. I mean, maybe, maybe at your place here in the Snoqualmie Valley, you have your own petting zoo and many sheep that are a part of that. But most of us, our in-person experience with sheep is in fact at a petting zoo. And even though I grew up on a farm, I grew up in northern Iowa on a farm, we had livestock there, we had cattle, we had pigs, we had lots of dogs and cats and other critters. The closest that I personally come to having any life experience with sheep is that I currently own an Australian shepherd, okay? It's my dog. And he does like to herd things. If you're walking through your yard, he just does circles around you and he barks a lot. Those of you that know my dog are saying, amen, he barks a lot. So uh, generally on our farm, we avoided sheep because sheep are dumb. (laughs) Just flat out not smart at all. Maybe not any more dumb than other domesticated animals, but they seem like it. Okay, and so generally, we always avoided sheep. And I, I don't really know what to make of in my mind when the Bible talks about so much the fact that we are sheep. I'm fairly certain that's not a compliment. Okay, <laughs> you hear it from the farm boy. And uh, I admit they're cute when they're very little. They lose their cuteness right away. But the thing about sheep is that they're pretty much completely helpless, right? They're prey animals. Predator, many predators can pick on sheep. Um, I, evidently, they have poor eyesight, I'm told. But I do know this, that without constant supervision, sheep get lost. They just kind of wander off. I think they're preoccupied. Oh, look, the grass is greener over there. And they're gone. And now you're starting to see the similarities between sheep and people. And uh, I've actually seen farmers, like, they'll move sheep from pen to pen. I've actually seen this at the county fair, okay? So that's, that's another story about myself. We'll tell you some other time. But they'll take, like, sheep off of trailers. And they'll harness one sheep, and they'll walk off the end of the trailer, and the rest of the sheep will literally just follow. Even though there's wide open spaces, they could escape and go wherever they want to, They'll just follow nicely over into the pen where they're all fenced up again. So if you tried that with like pigs or cattle or other animals like that, you would spend the rest of the day chasing them, but not with sheep. They'll just march in formation over wherever whoever is leading them goes. This is the thing about sheep. The Bible talks about sheep a lot, like over 500 times. Sheep and shepherding are mentioned you know, like Psalm 23, that's, that's a favorite psalm of mine. You know, the Lord is my, what? Shepherd. I mean, most of the time these uses are in kind of a, a metaphorical sense or, or a, you know, it's, it's making a, an image about something. But it talks about sheep a lot. It talks about people being sheep a lot because people need guidance or they're going to die pretty much the Bible's message right there in a nutshell. People need guidance. They get lost. They wander off. They don't see well. <laughs> they, they need the Lord. They need a good shepherd. So in the days of Jesus, there's lots of sheep. And even though everyone wasn't raising their own sheep, they would have been intimately familiar 
with sheep as animals in their care. And so this is where we encounter Jesus this morning. At this point in his public ministry, um, he's starting to face some severe, some very intense opposition from other Jewish leaders, from groups of people known like, uh, like the Pharisees. They definitely didn't approve of Jesus when he healed people on the Sabbath or he kind of broke their religious traditions and rules. They are really kind of becoming combative or at least argumentative with Jesus in what he's doing. And so this is kind of the context for what Jesus is about to say in John chapter 10. Let me read it for you. We'll put this on the screen. This is verses 1 and 2. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, he's talking to them, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Fast forwarding to verse 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. He goes on, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They'll come in and they'll go. They'll find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. It's a very popular Bible verse. People you know, memorize that one. Jesus, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. When he said it, he was talking about people being sheep. Well, in talking this way, Jesus is utilizing a, a very common sort of parable in his day that was known as a mashal, a mashal. And uh, if you open up your Bibles, and especially the ones that have red letters in it, you know, it's the words of Jesus and the Gospels, and you start reading, sometimes, man, it just seems like Jesus is cryptic. Like, what are you getting at, Jesus? Well, mo most likely he's kind of speaking in this kind of speech, a mashal. And uh, biblical scholars describe it, this is, this is a great description, it's a mysterious saying, thank you, full of compressed thought. I, I don't know what that means at all, right? Is that supposed to be a mysterious? But that's, a mashal is a mysterious saying full of compressed thought. And so the disciples, as they follow Jesus, you know, they're kind of filling in the gaps here for us as they write the Gospels. And if you read the Gospels, you know, like the Gospel of John, you, you start to get context for maybe what Jesus is talking about in some of these mysterious sayings, like this one. But the Pharisees, they just didn't get it. They just want them to come right out and say it. At one point, the Pharisees say, uh, it says, this is verse 19 in chapter 10, the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? And then others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So it's always fascinating when we read the Gospels and when we find out about Jesus' life, like how controversial he was in his day. I mean, people just didn't get it. This guy is nuts. And others were like, could someone who's nuts perform these healings and these miracles that we've heard or seen with our own eyes? No, he's someone else. 
There's always this argument happening about Jesus kind of behind Jesus's back. It's still that way today. It's fascinating to me. I mean, um, people dismiss Jesus even today, you know, like he's kind of like a sideshow. I'm not really sure who or what he's about. Uh, in Jesus' day, some, some folks were definitely threatened by him. They just wanted to get rid of him. This would be a lot of the Jewish leaders. Uh, others saw him as kind of their ticket to money, fame, and power. You know, I'm going to hitch my wagon to Jesus. He's going somewhere. Who is Jesus to you? Do you need a shepherd? Do you need a gate? You know, of all the things that Jesus says about himself, you know, he's the bread of life, uh, he's the light of the world, um, you know, those are, those are phrases that you're like, yeah, I get that. I don't get this one. I am the gate. Like, imagine, imagine a Jesus tattoo with just a gate on your arm, you know? Did you see that, that one or a t-shirt? I love Jesus. I am the gate. What is, where are you going with this Jesus? Well, gates let people in. Gates keep people out. They also provide a level of protection, of access, protection. But where Jesus is going with this is kind of the less obvious aspect is that gates provide a level of legitimacy. If you see someone hopping over your neighbor's fence, you're probably calling the cops. You don't have to ask. You're like, that person is not supposed to be there. There's this level of like, if you use the gate, you've been granted access. You have permission. You are supposed to be there. And so that's what Jesus implies in verse 2 and 3. It says, the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. He's supposed to be there. The sheep listen to his voice. And then he says, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them. I don't know what you imagine of when you, when you think of, you know, flocks of sheep and shepherds or farmers. You ever think of that level of intimacy that out of however many sheep, the shepherd would be able to look at them and tell them apart? They can. That's what Jesus is saying about us right here. He calls his own sheep by name. He leads them. There's this intimate relationship between shepherd and and sheep. Well, at this time in Jesus's day, people would create these enclosures to put their sheep inside at night to keep them from wandering away. And, you know, they, they were probably pretty simple. They, they couldn't go to Home Depot and build a nice cedar fence, so they would pile rocks or use brush and thorns, whatever they could find, and they would just make an enclosure. Sometimes they would you know, if they found a, a part of a ravine or something and they could get away with just building one wall, they would do that. Or they would, they would use as few materials as, and energy as they possibly could and still get the job done. But they would leave an opening so that the sheep could get in and out. And so the shepherd could close off that opening with a bunch of brush or maybe some thorns, or he could literally block it with his body. You know, if he was spending the night there, the shepherd could sleep in the gateway so that if anyone or thing approached and went in and out, the shepherd would know. And so 
this is what Jesus is saying. You know, anyone climbing the wall to get inside the sheep pen is a person that shouldn't be trusted. This might be a, a mashal, a mysterious saying of Jesus. But you can see this is starting to make sense. Jesus isn't using crazy talk here. He's talking about leadership. Like leadership 101 at its most basic level. Who has the legitimate authority to lead? And how can we tell? Who's responsible? Who should get access to the sheep? What are their motives? And how can we tell? These are as relevant now as they were 2,000 years ago. It's all about who you and I can trust in, our, in leadership. Sheep trust the shepherd because as Jesus says, they know his voice. He says they'll never follow a stranger because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. That can only be possible if you know the sound of someone's voice. And that means a relationship is required. You have to be able to tell. If you're the sheep, you have to be able to hear the shepherd's voice. And you know, over the years, people have used these parables of Jesus. They kind of like, they, they try and find hidden meaning in it. You know, like there's this one-to-one -one relationship with something that's happened, happening today and with what Jesus said. And usually folks who do that get themselves into a lot of trouble, so don't do that. Okay, there's, so when we're trying to figure out what does Jesus mean here, it, it's not that there's some hidden meaning. He's speaking to the people of his day, but he's also saying something that applies to the human experience. Like, often we found, we, you know, often we personally feel like we're surrounded by sheep even though we may be one of them. Um, maybe not all the sheep in that particular pen will follow the same shepherd. Another thing that applies generally to human spirit experience here, not all those who claim to be shepherds should be trusted. Motivation is key. Your actions indicate those motivations. So if I claim Jesus as my shepherd, and by the way, he claims me, he calls me by name. I must learn to hear his voice. I must listen. Well, hearing Jesus' voice, you're going to hear me harp on this for the foreseeable future. I want us as a church family, uh, us as individual followers of Jesus, to learn how to hear Jesus' voice. And if that sounds crazy to you, like you're going to start having weird dreams and stuff like that, maybe you will. I don't know. But every follower of Jesus, this is a basic skill that has to be learned to be able to distinguish and hear God's voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking into your life and know what to do about it. Uh, Jesus shows up in, in the first chapter of Mark. He says, you know, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus talks about the kingdom a lot. 
And if you're going to know Jesus, you have to know what he's talking about when he's speaking of the kingdom. It's just what happens in heaven is breaking in to earth. God's kingdom becoming present and manifest in the lives of people all over the world. So uh, when we have one of those moments where, man, God, are you, is this a, you know, a, are you trying to say something to me here? Was that the voice of the Holy Spirit? The first step in, is simply recognizing what just happened and maybe why, reflecting on, okay, why would God say that? Or is God directing me to do that? And sometimes we bounce that off another Christian. We discuss it with them. Uh, a, a couple examples that I, uh, actually a really fresh example from a few months ago, and I've told you this on a Sunday morning, was uh, last November I had someone who called me up out of the blue and invited me to go on a retreat. And that's something pastors do. I'm sorry, that sounds very pastory, right? Oh, we're going to go on a retreat. What do you do at a retreat? Well, um, there's lots of hanging out, checking in with each other, uh, praying for one another. You know, we do pastory things like, you know, we have worship services, but we also do things like mountain biking, okay? So, I mean, this was just a, a chance to get away and, and to kind of recalibrate and restore. And when, when that person called, I didn't know really anybody else that was going to be at that retreat, but I kind of knew right away, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is one of those God opened a door. And so as I reflected on that and observed or, and talked about it with my wife, I realized like, yeah, I need to say yes to this. Well, then just recently, I had another uh, opportunity like that that popped up. And this was to, to, to be a speaker at like a family camp. And when I heard that, I was all excited. Like, this is definitely the voice of God, this wonderful opportunity. They want me to be the person to share the word of the Lord with them. But it just meant like completely rearranging like some of our summer vacations and other things like that. Not a big deal, right? This is important. And so I went thinking to discuss this again with my wife, Corey, like, I think this might be an open door from God. And she immediately went, nope. <laughs> but I needed to hear that because I was like, oh, I mean, it's a great opportunity, but to like make all these other moves, if it was just like, yes, I can go, but I had to move all this other stuff. And I realized, you know, this was really about my own ambition and maybe a, a little, you know, I needed to feel like a pat on my shoulder, then this is God's voice. So I still said yes. No, I'm kidding. I said no. I said no. And immediately I was like, yeah, that, that was it. But it, it's hearing God's voice and knowing how to respond, knowing what to do with that. We as followers of Jesus will learn how to do that. Um, knowing God isn't just a point of information. The reason we're doing this is that, you know, we're not talking about philosophy here. This isn't just, well, God's real, but how would we ever know? This kind of agnostic attitude that so many people that we know and love have. No, this is a dynamic relationship. We can know that God is real and also see his presence in our life in a real and tangible way. Knowing God, Christianity isn't just a point of information. It's a real living relationship. And if that sounds like crazy talk to you, I just challenge you. Like, give it a try. Give it a try. Invite God into your life. Say, okay, God, 
speak to me. I'm listening. Another implication from Jesus and his parable here is that thieves and robbers are very real, that they can harm our souls. And a thief and a robber might be anything in our life that's going to draw us away from Jesus, maybe separate us from the flock in that abundant life that Jesus wants to provide for us. Don't let them. In fact, discipline yourself to stay close to the shepherd. What are those things in your life that might be trying to separate you from him? Don't let them. Jesus isn't just the gate here. As he said, he's the good shepherd. And this first part of this parable that he's teaching from is kind of directed more towards us, the sheep, and what we should know and who we should follow. But the second part is really geared towards people leading the sheep. And Jesus continues on in chapter 10. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock, the flock and it scatters. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So he's kind of reiterating this over and over again. I'm the good shepherd. And whenever I hear that phrase, the good shepherd, it immediately triggers a, a memory of mine from my childhood. Because where I grew up, um, good shepherd was like a, a nursing home or a, a place of skilled nursing care. And some of you are smiling. You're like, yeah, that's, that's what's named. For my, the hospital where I grew up was named that. You know, it has this very... Um, nurturing association with it. In fact, you could drive anywhere in North Iowa today and you could, you could probably say, Good Shepherd, and they would be like, Oh, yeah, well, that's over in, and they could like, give you directions. So the same thing would have been going on in Jesus' day. That, that phrase would have triggered something that everyone recognized, everyone knew. And the people listening to Jesus would have been reminded, um, <laughs> well, they would have been reminded of Hanukkah. And I, I know that sounds funny, but it actually, in verse 22, the only mention of Hanukkah in the Bible is, is from this passage. This is when Jesus is speaking, speaking at the time of Hanukkah. So it would have been in December. Here's why that's important. Hanukkah is a celebration of the temple being rededicated to, to worship. For those of you who are fans of world history, you know that Alexander the Great came and conquered vast swaths of the Middle East. And after Alexander, there were some local Greek commanders or people who were in charge. Um, the temple worship in, in Jerusalem was interrupted during that time. And so there's these people, the Maccabees, who came and retook over Jerusalem. Maybe you've heard of them. And they rededicated the temple to worship, to, to like rightful worship of God in 165 B.C., and from that point, they would remember at Hanukkah, at that time, how bad leadership had got them into trouble. 
And they would go all the way back to, well, the northern kingdom, and, and you know, they, the Assyrians came and took them because of bad leadership. And then in the 500s, they came and they got, the Babylons, Babylonians got Judah because of bad leadership. And whenever they would say bad leadership, they would call them bad shepherds. So Ezekiel, Ezekiel 34, says this. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord said. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not the shepherds take care of the flock? It goes on to talk about how the shepherds weren't doing their job. Bad shepherding. A lot of the references in the Bible are look out for bad shepherding, for bad leadership. And, you know, that's easy for us to identify. We've all seen this. We've all seen false leadership characterized by leaders who just kind of want to fleece the sheep. You know, we see it in business. We see it in politics. Unfortunately, we see it in the church, too. It's people who are in positions of authority who are pursuing their own self-interest at the expense of others. And according to Jesus... They're the wolves. According to Jesus, they're thieves and robbers. Why would people follow them? It's a good question. You know, over the last couple years, uh, I'm trying to think of how many times I've heard people say, either to me or like just in, you know, general, don't be a sheep. Don't be a sheep. And um, according to Jesus, the question at hand isn't, am I a sheep? He pretty much is like, yeah, you, you are a sheep. You're going to have to come to Jesus with that fact. The question isn't, am I a sheep? The question is, who do I follow? Who do I follow? Who do I follow? And for people who are in the flock of God, we follow the good shepherd. That is not a cliche. That is not, oh, easy for you to say, Dan. There's lots of other complexities. And yeah, so what? When it comes down to it, my allegiance, number one place, is the good shepherd. That's who I follow. That's whose voice I want to hear. In fact, I want to block out all the other voices to try and discern what God wants me to do. I follow the good shepherd. And you know, I, I mentioned earlier, like, it, we see it everywhere. We see it in business. We see it in, we see it in politics. We see it in the church, unfortunately. And, you know, th- this is, I can't say that in my life I've ever been like, oh, Jesus, let me be a pastor. This, this is something that God laid on me early on in my life, and I and my, my whole life has been trying to submit to that. Yes, Lord, I hear your call. I'm going to follow. When I read these passages, I get goosebumps. Because this is a big deal. This is a huge deal. You know, would I lay my life down for the sheep? Sure. But I'm not Jesus. Jesus is our shepherd. When it comes to spiritual leadership in the church, what matters most is that we find people who care about the people they lead and that they want to follow the good shepherd. 
It's not just about our own individual lives. It's about our corporate life as a church as well. And so um, I just wanted to close this morning just reminding us there are so many ways that we can get lost and we can get off track. It looks like the grass is greener over there and uh, we kind of lose our way. And when we're made aware of that, Maybe it's when we hear our shepherd's voice. It's simple. We just turn around. Start heading back in Jesus' general direction. He'll take care of the rest. The shepherd we follow lays down his life for us. He doesn't do it out of duty. He doesn't do it because he feels like he has to. He does it because he wants to. That's how much Jesus cares for you and for me. The good shepherd is the one that we follow this season, especially as we head towards Easter, as we know that he was the you know, lamb led to the slaughter on our behalf, that he died for us, but he rose again. Let's stay close to him. Amen? Please join me in prayer. Lord, we come before you this morning and, and we, we hear that powerfully, Lord, that you are the gate. In fact, we even, you know, that no one comes to the Father except through you, Lord. But, but you're the gate because of this, this care for us, that you call our name, that we can listen to your voice and follow. And you are trustworthy. You are gracious and merciful, Lord. You protect us from people who may may not even realize their motivations or intentions are leading down the the wrong path. Help us, God, to follow you, to remember that you are our good shepherd. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.